These days, you walk into a gaming store like GameStop or Replay Games, and you go to the section that's marked with the type of equipment you have. Xbox 360, PS3, Wii, Nintendo, they've got them marked off in sections. Those of you who are older, like me, will remember that 25 and 30 years ago, you walked into a video rental store, and there were sections. Do you remember what they were? What? Now I'm thinking about technology and equipment. Beta. Yeah, VHS and Beta. Now, Beta was produced by Sony. It was actually the better technology. But which one survived? VHS. Beta held its technology close to its chest. No one else could have it. JVC, on the other hand, decided to offer it to everybody. Anyone could make a VHS recorder. Anybody could make VHS tapes. Interesting strategy, isn't it? There was a Time Magazine article it put out in the late 80s that said this, um, this decision by Sony to not share their technology drastically undercut Sony's market share. Their first year, Sony lost 40% of the market, and by 1987, it controlled only 10%. And Sony had the better technology. James says, show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, spiritual, devilish. James presents us with two forms of wisdom. One, earthly wisdom is a product of our envy and selfish ambition. Now, this earthly envy is active, this earthly wisdom is active when we want what someone else has. Corporately, Sony wanted the whole market share. Politically, a city annexes a county for bigger, a bigger tax base. Personally, we regard another, another person's home or property or even cherished partner, and we want to add it to our list of possessions. It is this bitter envy and selfish ambition that is in constant conflict with the other wisdom, the wisdom from above. James admonishes us to replace the self-absorbed earthly wisdom with the godly kind. So this is verses 17 to 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. Do you sense a conflict between your desires, the desires for earthly wisdom, and then the desires for heavenly wisdom? Well, most, if not all, Christians desire to be more like Jesus. 
That's the wisdom from above. But the wisdom from above always is challenged by earthly wisdom. So I think James is encouraging us to question, how do we resolve this conflict? Is it a matter of discipline, a matter of motivation, a matter of perspective, a matter of prayer? A women's Bible study group at Calvary is reading a book called Having a Mary Spirit, talking about um, Mary of Bethany, Mary and Martha. Joanna Weaver is the author, and in the book she recounts the story of a friend named Tricia. Tricia is in her mid-30s and comfortably married when she receives an email from her first love, her first boyfriend. And at first she was pleased to hear from him and pleased to catch up, but eventually he was writing things like, you are the only woman I've ever loved. I never should have let you go. You hear the conflict already? The author lets us know that Trisha's poor relationship with her father when she was growing up made her more vulnerable to this man's flattery. And it's often the case that our families of origin are the inspiration for some of our wars of the wisdoms. Earthly wisdom was enticing Trisha to find acceptance and excitement and that intimacy that she lacked early in life. And at first, she didn't realize her vulnerability. She was just reveling in the feelings. But eventually, too, then she found herself imagining that which before was unthinkable, she said, and she knew she was in trouble. The war of the wisdoms was in full force in her life. The earthly wisdom that is unspiritual and devilish drove her mind into inappropriate places. It was fighting with the wisdom from above. Tricia somehow found the strength to break free of that earthly, feel-good-at-any-cost wisdom. And she did it not by herself, but with the help of friends. She called on friends to help her become accountable, to help her deal with these conflicting emotions and conflicting actions. And with with their support, the support of these friends, she was able then to confess all that had been happening to her husband. And then with her husband, they wrote Trisha's former boyfriend and let him know why all contact had to end. That took a sizable dose of humility. And even then, Tricia said it took a while for the, the emotions to subside, but she had realized that she simply can't entertain the thoughts and feelings when they arise. Now, Tricia's cravings were in one area of her life. We wonder, what are those cravings in our lives? Probably all of us crave something that is not good for us. And listening to these verses in chapter 4 of James, 19 centuries after they were written, reminds us that there is nothing new under the sun. Internal conflicts have been going on for millennia, 
and so have external conflicts, those with other people. James is writing to people with egos, people who think they are better than others, people in the Christian community who do not recognize within themselves their selfish ambition and bitter envy. He writes to them about their disputes. Where do the disputes come from? Do they come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you murder. Hopefully none of us have gone that far. You covet something and you cannot obtain it, so you engage in conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you have or what you get on earthly pleasures. Ouch. Like James is taking a knitting needle and going, poke, poke, poke. But then he offers us not just advice, but hope. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Ramsay MacDonald was the Prime Minister of England in the late 1800s. And at one time he was discovering, discussing with another government official the possibility of lasting peace. The latter was an expert on foreign affairs and was unimpressed with the Prime Minister's idealistic viewpoint. And he remarked cynically, the desire for peace does not necessarily ensure it. And MacDonald admitted this, saying, quite true, but neither does the desire for food satisfy your hunger, but at least it gets you started towards a restaurant. Is there a hunger within us for the wisdom from above? And is it enough of a hunger for, to guide us to take one step today towards satisfying that hunger? Well, deacons, you lead the way. You are the servant leaders in this congregation. And contrary to what some may suggest, your abilities to serve communion and take up collections are not the only qualities that commend you to this position. Anyone could pass the offering plates, and most could do it without slipping a bill from the plate into their pocket. You were asked to serve because you have been deemed trustworthy and humble enough to receive the mantle of Christian leadership. A Christian leader holds fast to the wisdom from above, which is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. Now, let me say that we do not expect you to be perfect, because that sounds like somebody who's perfect. That's God. But if you're attempting, you will be on the right path. 
In a verse we skipped today, James quotes a proverb saying, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I like this story about Henry Augustus Rowland. He was a professor of physics at Johns Hopkins and was once called as an expert witness as a trial. And during cross-examination, a lawyer demanded of him, what are your qualifications as an expert witness in this case? And normally, Rowlands was modest and retiring, fairly quiet. And he, he replied, I'm the greatest living expert on the subject under discussion. And later, a friend expressed surprise at the professor's uncharacteristic answer. And Rowland said, well, what did you expect me to do? I was under oath. (laughs) Humility recognizes God's gifts, and yet it is not ego-driven. Deacons, you are called to recognize the gifts in you. You have them. And then show the rest of us how you use yours well. Because that will then help the rest of us know how to use ours well. And church, while we install the deacons today into their positions of leadership, that doesn't mean that the rest of us are off the hook and can swim away. We are up to the task because we have God. Samuel Morris was once asked if he ever encountered situations where he didn't know what to do. And he responded, more than once. And whenever I could not see my way clearly, I knelt down and prayed to God for light and understanding. In James's words, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Stanza two of Precious Names struck out to me. I'm going to read it to you again, what we sang just a little while ago. Take the name of Jesus ever. Oh, I can't read my writing. As a shield from, from every... Oh, man, hang on. I'm glad y'all are patient. But I, I, it's worth it, I think. Because it's a, such a good reminder for us of of what James is telling us. Take the name of Jesus ever as a shield from every snare. If temptations round you gather, breathe that holy name in prayer. See? So if you can't think of the words draw near to God and God will draw near to you, if you like to sing, go back to that verse. Call on Jesus. I think that's what Tricia did in the story from Joanna Weaver's book. It's what Samuel Morse did. It's what Jesus did. And while James doesn't talk that much about Jesus in his book, his five-chapter book, he mentions him at the beginning and then one other time, that's still the direction that he's heading for us. It's still the direction that we are heading is toward Jesus. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Deacons, let these words ring in your ears 
and minds and hearts in this coming year of service. And may all of us take strength from James. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Let's pray. Holy God of love, we thank you for attending to us and to our prayers. We seek to draw near to you and invite you to draw near to us, knowing still that you already are with us. Thank you. Amen.